If you were with us on our last podcast, Joshua West, myself, Gary Wilkerson, you uh, heard me prophesy that I was going to get angry, <clears throat> and probably not so, but uh, it does disturb me, this topic we're going to be touching about today. And today I want to talk about uh, don't despise doctrine or uh, theology matters. <clears throat> the premise of this, uh, Joshua, we really haven't talked much about this, but the premise of this is, you know, I get around a lot of... Um, Christian leaders, pastors, predominantly more in the charismatic Pentecostal movement than others that really uh, badmouth uh, seminary, uh, doctrine, theology, um, academics. Uh, you know, they, they call this seminary the cemetery. Right. Um, they, they think that all that head learning and head knowledge is going to um, get you compromised or, you know, you'll end up a liberal. Um, if, you go to, if you go to seminary, you're going to, um, you know, get exposed to all these humanistic worldviews and you'll lose your faith, you know. Right. Um, I honestly have found it to be quite different and would say I believe the opposite. I think the more godly education you can get, the more input you can get into from brothers and sisters who have gone before you and uh, dredged the depths of the Gospels and of the whole Scripture and can bring that truth that you could not ever get just by, you know, we can, the, the, and I think it's important to hear this the right way, the Holy Spirit leads us into all truth, no doubt about it. But how does he lead us into truth? Is it all individual? Is it, I, I sit here in my house and I have my Bible and I don't want anybody to speak to me. Well, in that case, then don't go to church because you have somebody teaching you. Don't have a Bible study. Don't talk, you know, just, it's, and that's such a, an American individualist. Like I yeah. can pull myself up on my bootstraps mentality. It's, it's unfaithful to the concept of the word of God that, that we learn in community that, that the, uh, that you know, even even the churches were different than the first century. They usually have two or three preachers yeah. and get up, and we have the one now. And so we've also kind of minimized that idea of being spoken to by others. And so um, I think you and I would be both high level advocates for um, denouncing that f false understanding of learning scripture, learning the word of God. Uh, Definitely. In an academic format, even. It's a false dichotomy to say that one thing has anything to do with the other. It is true that there is a such thing as people who have dead doctrine and have head knowledge and no relationship with God. I actually make a quote in one of my books. I try to paraphrase myself. Um, but basically, I, I say the fact that while it is true that you can have a great knowledge of God and not have a relationship with God, that doesn't mean that you can have a relationship with God without using your mind, yeah. you know? And so this idea that just because there are people who, um, you know, have legalistic, dead doctrinal head knowledge, you know, knowledge that puffs up, not love that builds up, um, that doesn't mean that um, because that's true, then we shouldn't try to know God by rightly dividing as the word of truth. And and it's very arrogant to think that, that I can't learn from from someone else. And, and the truth is what we typically do is we will pick a, a famous preacher who sounds a lot like we do, who says the things our itching ears want to hear. So we are getting it from somewhere. Um, 
But the idea that I can't uh, learn from faithful men who came before me or even faithful men that are around me um, as we all study to show ourselves approved, subjecting ourselves to the word is, is very, very foolish. And I'm not just saying that because, you know, I'm a big proponent of, of education in that regard. I think preachers, you know, even if you're not, you don't have the luxury of going to seminary, um, you have to be a minister you have to be a student of God's Word and a student of theology, and you have to really work at having sound doctrine. People may despise that term, but the New Testament's laced with it. Yeah. Um, and, and, and have this humility that we, are, that we are subjecting ourselves to God, but the idea of using our mind and um, history. You know, I think some of the biggest issues I see in the church today— could really be, a lot of them could be alleviated if we just understood church history. If we studied church history, you know, I, to me, church history has brought a great encouragement to me because I realize that the things I'm facing as a pastor today aren't brand new, right. <laughs> that the church has always been persecuted, that that there's always been an enemy trying to fight against us. Church history teaches us a lot. Um, the word theology, people despise that word, but it just... It just means knowing the knowledge of God. That's right. You know, the the, the don't you want to know God? Don't you want to know Him rightly? And so I think uh, I just I think we think wrongly about these sort of things, um, and and we shouldn't. And not just a preacher, uh, the uh, the Christian at large. You, if you say you don't believe in theology, the problem is, is you do have a theology. Yeah. It just may not be a very well thought out or well or, or a very biblical theology. Every what you think about God, what you say to people about God, is your theology. Yeah. R.C. Sproul said this one time um, in a book he wrote called "Everyone's a Theologian," and in the book he says it's not a matter uh, or not of if you're a theologian or not. The question is, are you a good one or not? Yeah, right. And I think that is a, so important to to say. We have to make sure that we are intently looking at God's word. I'll give you one, you know, sort of a um, anecdotal thing, just to kind of uh, I use this terminology all the time, but although the the power of the Spirit is what opens our eyes to the truth. He leads us into truth. He convicts us of sin. Um, in regeneration, things that were just words to me now become the very words of God. Um, so I, I'm, I, the Holy Spirit is the one who helps us interpret the Scripture, but He uses uh, means and methods in our minds. But um, it's just like a, being a doctor or any other discipline that we do. I hope the doctor that is cutting into me to do surgery on me, yeah. I hope he's a believer. Yeah. I hope he believes and trusts God. Um, but I also hope he went to medical school <laughs> and that he knows how to use that scalpel properly and that he understands what to do if he cuts into one of my veins and how to how to sew it up and and what organs are which. And, and this is the very simple. We need the Spirit of God to lead us, to open our eyes, to enlighten us. But we, what we give him to work with is the word of God. And, and we in theology is, is sharpening and, and making sure that we're, we're, we're as biblical as we possibly can, can be. And so um, I think it's very foolish to, uh, I, to me, I'm, me and my wife both are always very frustrated by people who despise the term theology and even more importantly, the word doctrine. Yeah. <clears throat> Uh, you're absolutely right. That's that's. I was just looking at the, at the Timothy passage, you know, <clears throat> where, where Paul is 
telling them, you know, uh, excel or work hard <clears throat> at, at teaching these things. And so we need to be working hard at that. But we also need people in our life who have gone before us, who've already worked hard at these things. Right. So as we're working through it, we have a, a mentor, a guide, a someone discipling us really is, is what... What this is, you know, Jesus commanded, uh, teach all everything that I've said to you, uh, you know, uh, teach them to, to obey all these things. And so to, to despise, not only despise doctrine, as you're saying, which, which I'm in agreement with, but not despise um, academic teachers of it. You know, I think we need pastors and pastors can teach the word. Yes. My favorite pastors are often the ones who really worked hard, like Paul told Timothy to do. I think that's the pattern we see in the New Testament. Yeah. We see the Apostle Paul urging the people under him, the pastors un under them, to study, to show themselves approved. Exactly. Um, 2 Timothy 2.15. That's, that's to, what I was looking for. To rightly divide the word of truth so that they can be yeah. a worker who is, has no need to be ashamed. Um, and, and this is like what Paul is urging Timothy and Titus and all these, you know, are you about to read a scripture? No, no, well, just, uh, yeah, well, if you well, I was going to yeah, say, in, in Titus, Paul, same person writing to one of his his pastor protégés, uh, Timothy, or to Titus, he basically says in uh, first or in Timothy chapter 1, verse 9, talking about what a pastor should be, he must hold firm to the trustworthy word as taught. As taught by who? As taught by the Apostle Paul. Yeah. Sound doctrine. He must hold firm to the trustworthy word as taught so that he may be able to give instruction in sound doctrine and also to rebuke those who contradict yeah. it. Um, that that is the that is the you, you need to make sure. And this is what was happening in in, uh, in Titus's case in Cree or in Timothy's case in Ephesus. People were not rightly dividing the word of truth. They were adding their own stuff to it. They weren't very serious about theology. You know, it was causing all sorts of chaos yeah. in the church. And Paul isn't telling them to be, you know, the smartest, most high-minded person. He says, when it comes to this, take it very seriously. Um, be studious about it. I mean, now we could find 10 different scriptures where he says, be studious, study, take yeah. it seriously, rightly divide it. I mean, what what more do we need? This is the study of theology. Yeah, yeah. The, the, you said it, the, 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 the God, ology, study, study of God. Um, doctrine is understanding the um, precepts and principles and truths of God. And I think we need some wise elders in our life uh, to do that, whether it's actually literally going to, to Bible college or seminary or you know, going through a 30-week course on the Trinity that, that somebody that has uh, delved into those things for decades and read everything, Scripture, and that have been written through history and rightly dividing the Word of God, saying this is not the Trinity, uh, this is that people that know the church history that can say, hey, there was... This was already decided at the Council of Nicaea or the Council right. of Trent. Uh, and, you know, you're not going to be able to just, like, you know study the Trinity and know that there was this, you know, battle of 300 bishops and they got together and they, you know, came to a conclusion that's biblically sound, that's tested and tried biblically throughout church history and doctrinally. And so, you know, we need those. Uh, and I, again, I'm just advocating here, uh, you know, if you're a young person listening to us today and you want to get in ministry without, hands down, if, if you know, people ask me, like, what would you do different 
uh, I would go more. I would go more heavy early on in education. Yeah. I started slow and then caught up. You know, I, I didn't actually get my bachelor's degree till I was in my late twenties. And in my 30s, uh, started studying for my master's degree. Right. And so yeah, I think I would have, uh, no, I just, I'm just sort of sharing my testimony a little bit. My first year of Bible school, uh, I wasn't really all that serious. I was serious about Jesus and I loved him, but I wasn't really serious about ministry. So I was really just kind of like one of those Christian kids that Christian parents said. Right. To, yeah, so I'm not advocating for that, but I'm saying if you know you're called into the ministry, right. Um, the, oftentimes the charismatic propensity is, you know, we'll lay hands on you and you're gifted. So, you know, you're 19 years old, just start preaching or pastor that church. Like, no way, man, you need, you know, you need, you, know, you need education. You need to be under a seasoned pastor for a while. Um, and, and then, and you need to study. Even if you don't go to seminary, you need to study scripture. I would encourage, go online and do a 30-week course on, um, you know, various uh, uh, I think, and I think we need to shift gears in a minute and just start talking about then systematic theology. Right. Well, before we do, I just you know want to say it's not, and it's not about. I mean, yes, if you go through four years of school and get a bachelor's degree, that's beneficial in a in a worldly way. And there's nothing wrong with having the accomplishment of saying I got a bachelor's or I got a master's. But it's not, it's not the, the, to receive the degree. It's not the validation of it. It's the actual study that you engage exactly. in. So if you're not able to go to Bible college, you better be ser- twice as serious about mm-hmm. being a student of church history and of theology. And because you want to understand what you're, you're preaching to people. And as Christians, we, ought, we need to understand what people are preaching to us. It is, it is so, so very important. And so... There's men I know that didn't go to Bible college that I respect greatly, but these men are studious students. They've got books. They're, they're, they've learned the things of God. They've done everything in their power to <laughs> rightly divide this word of truth. And so it's about being a submitted student of God's word and using every tool possible to help you be biblical. Yeah. It's not because there are bad tools out there. There are liberal seminaries. There are right. places that are but that's not what what I'm talking about. No. I'm talking about finding and that and here's the thing. You're going to have to be discerning in every area of life. You're going to have to be discerning about what seminary you go to. Yeah. You're going to have to be discerning about what church you attend. Yeah. You're going to have to be discerning about what preachers you listen to online. All of these things governed by how close are they to this? How do they reverence this? Do they rightly divide this? And as you become a more wise Christian, some of those will change. Mm -hmm. There's men that I thought hung the moon 20 years ago that I wouldn't even listen to a sermon now today. Um, Some that are false teachers. Some that are believers, but I just... I've moved away from them because I realized that they're not teaching this. And so, yes, there's always, and we need the Spirit to help lead us into those things. But the idea that it would ever be wrong to study God's Word and to do it with precision and care um, and use whatever thing you could to, to know Him through His Word better is simply foolish. Pastor Joshua West here, co-host of the Gary Wilkerson podcast. I want to invite you to go to worldchallenge.org and listen to the latest sermon series from myself and from Gary Wilkerson. I'll say one more thing, then we can get into the other part. All the time now I see these memes that say, it's a relationship, not a religion. Wrong. Wrong. It's a relationship and it's a religion. It's a relationship that's governed by 
the relig- the Christian religion. You don't get to have whatever kind of relationship with God you want. God decides the terms of those relationships. God des- decides how he wants to be worshiped. God decides what the means of salvation are. God decides everything. And so while we are so blessed to have a relationship with God, you know, spiritual but not religious, relationship but not a religion, it, it's a false dichotomy. Yeah. It is a, re- a relationship. And, and, and of course, you could have, re- as what I was saying at the beginning, you can have religion without the relationship. It's legalistic yeah. nonsense. It's religious observance. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that there are boundaries and there are rules and there are laws and there are commandments. We've got to rightly divide those to have a meaningful relationship with God. You can't have a meaningful relationship without your mind. Yeah, I agree with that wholeheartedly and would would comment on it in the sense of using some other words is um, devotion or doctrine. And, you know, there, there are a lot of Christians who are and rightly so, and praise God for you if this is you. You're extremely, you know, that devotional life, the sweetness of the Spirit, the the joy of, uh, you know, fellowship with other Christians, the, the getting into the worship service and just bowing before the Lord. You know, that's that's what I'm calling the devotional. But if you Beautiful. don't have the doctrine part of it, then you could end up, I mean, you know, just... We've been bold enough to just call out some names and even movements. Uh, the the Bethel Church movement is I see it as much more devotional, uh, in the sense of it's 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 maybe even more emotional. Emotional uh, without the sound doctrine. But devotion devotion to who or to what? Right. You know the yeah. idea that if you feel it and if it feels good or sounds good, it means it's genuine or right. It's not true. Being sincere does not make you right. I'll give you one more little example, then we will skip into this. Um, it's the idea of like if you came to me and you said, hey, Josh, you know, I just love your wife. She's the best, you know. Uh, she's got blonde hair. She's really tall. She's not a very good singer. Um, you know, she's really, really super thin. Um, I just love her. She's the best, you know, and I just think she's so great. Well, I'm glad that you think she's great. And I'm glad all the adorning, nice things you said about her, but none of the things you said described who my wife is. Right. My wife's short. She's brunette. She's a little more curvy. She has a great singing voice. And so the fact that you were saying all these adoring, sweet, <laughs> nice things isn't really complimenting my wife at all right. because you don't know my wife. You're, you're, you're saying by your words you don't know her. And so the relational part is so important. Yeah, yes, we love God. We want to be in his presence, but we want, to, we want to be worshiping God rightly from his word. We want to find who God is, the character of God, um, and then our sincerity will be aimed at something that's actually true. Yeah. And so sincerity on its own is not enough. And right. saying I love God isn't enough. And I want to have a relationship with God. Um, no, we have to, we have to, those things have to be governed by what he, what he's laid out in his yeah. word. And the way to get there is what we'll close our podcast with today is, is what we would classically call systematic theology, um, which is just, you know, theology is what we just talked about, the study of God doing it in a systematic fashion means taking certain categories about our study of God. <clears throat> End times is a category called eschatology. There's there's soteriology, which is the study of the cross and salvation. Um, <clears throat> there's, you know, I can go on and on. There's, there's you know, dozens of different categories <clears throat> um, of, of understanding uh, these. And it's not, you know, it's, 
I don't encourage people just to live in the world of systematic theology. Right. Uh, you know, you, you, you go, you know, the expository scripture goes through verse by verse and chapter by chapter, whereas systematic theology would tend to pull in, like, well, Genesis 1 says this, you know, so let's talk about soteriology, for instance. Systematic theology would start, you know, in, in the garden with, with the, 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 Jesus crushing the head of Satan, right, uh, and then going through the Book of Revelation and going through the whole thing, and out of that coming to uh, God-inspired uh, conclusions yeah. about what you believe about certain elements. There's four branches of theology, and we need all of them. Um, I've chosen in my ac academic disciplines to focus on systematic theology. That's the doctrines of the Bible, um, but there's the four sort of branches of theology are biblical theology, historical theology, systematic theology, and practical theology. Not to say, oh, that's so much. We 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 all use all of these all the time. Right. And so you don't have to be a, you know, a systematic theologian necessarily. You just have to understand how all these work. Like when you're talking about, you know, just reading the Bible line on line, biblical theology is the basis of of if you don't understand the Bible historically and exegetically or biblically, then you won't be able to understand the doctrines of the Bible. But the reason systematic theology, and of course practical theology is just the application of all these things in a large sense. A lot of people who would study practical theology would be the pastor who would get the demon sort of, uh, not a demon, but a D, <laughs> yeah. little M-I-N, yeah, yeah, doctor of ministry. Um, practical theology, and it's more of like an overview. But the reason systematic theology is so important is because as we study the Bible, we are developing doctrines and beliefs about God in certain areas of our relationship with God, like it or not. And so wouldn't we want to make sure that that these are um, that these are biblically right, how they relate to each other? So like you said in, in a previous podcast, your pastor, you know, preached about sin a lot. You know, he had 50, you thought he had a book of 52 sins right. um, that, you know, he aimed at you. The The hard part is, is the things he said about those sins were probably right. The The fact that God despised them was probably right. The, the fact that you needed to repent was right. But the problem since, from your testimony, they were probably disjointed from, another important doctrine in systematic theology, which is the doctrine of grace yeah. and how does sin and grace co-enact, co yeah. then you're, you're, you're in a, an error and you're living your life without the full counsel of God. And, and I think if we want to just break it down for not theologians and, and not pastors, but just for people, it's about knowing the whole counsel of God. Amen. That's how all these things... That's what we want. How all these things relate to each other and then how do we prioritize these things? Even though we won't get into an exhaustive thing about systematic theology, I'll tell you that systematic theology begins with the study of the theos, theology proper, knowing God, because if our view of who God is is right, if we know who the God of the Bible really is, um, overarching, then it really does correct a lot of bad, bad theology when we talk about grace, a lot of bad theology when we talk about law. If we know who God is, it corrects a lot of bad theology. So this idea of understanding the priority of things, and, and here's something important to say. We're not, we're not prioritizing things, and we're not even saying that all systematic theologies are exactly the same. We're saying that we're trying our best from the Bible 
to prioritize the things God prioritizes, yeah. to to set in things in the order that God seems to. So there can be discussion about these things, but this is basically just trying to 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 follow God, follow His commands. And so if you do, if you preach, you know, certain doctrines, uh, you know, with, with without talking about Jesus, you're going to do damage with them. And so it's coming to this knowledge, the knowledge that this that all Scripture. Yeah. is inspired by God, right. has been breathed out by God, and is profitable for reproof and for equipping people in righteousness. Yeah, two, two thoughts come to mind. Uh, one, one is um, when, when you have these structured um, categories of doctrine, you know, you said so well, you, you, don't, you don't have to prioritize them ourselves. God does that for us in Scripture, and then we just use the spiritual wisdom that the Holy Spirit gives us to discern that. And so I think anybody that's studying Scripture can understand what if we say, well, Jesus didn't really live. Uh, he was more of a mystical ghost that came. <clears throat> well, then you're not preaching the gospel. You're in error. And that is a heresy. <clears throat> Come to Let's use tithing as an example. Um, some people preach you should, you know, almost like by law, give 10%. Others people say now in New Testament's grace, and so you just give liberally and generally, and it's probably more than 10%. <clears throat> now, you know, one could be right and one could be wrong when it comes to tithing, and, and, it, and you could still be in fellowship. But if somebody says Jesus didn't die for our sins, you know, which is under the soteriology system of theology, <clears throat> then, you know, you have a heretic. You have somebody yes. who is an anathema. Uh, but you don't tell, like, if you say it's literal 10%, and I say it's not, we don't have to break fellowship over that as far as being brothers in Christ, but there are things. So it shows the weightiness of certain issues, not to say that other issues aren't important, but uh, you can start with some key. And, and it's pretty understood that, you know, if you look at most churches' statement of faith, you'll see they have several key elements that all of us would agree on. Second thing I would say is, to get to get started in this, um, uh, or, or if, if you're already a pastor and leading, just keep yourself refreshed in theology. Have a lot of study theology here, and have a lot of good theological books, and have a lot of good commentaries, and just you know keep keep you know keep the craft of study burning in your heart. For those of you that are newer at it, I would recommend you get a really good one-volume book, and I would recommend, I think you like it as well, Wayne Grudem's book. On, yes. I think it's called, isn't it called just Systematic Theology? Systematic Theology, theology. Yeah. Wayne Grudem. There's two editions. I'd get the second edition because okay. there's some pretty newer sort of, not new theology, but some more modern issues Lots that he things. added okay. in a chapter that he kind of deals with that are really good. But second edition, Wayne Grudem's Systematic Theology, very, very good. And what I would recommend you do is uh, get a get a piece of paper, a pen, or if you, you use a typewriter, and um, before you read the book, uh, go through the list: um, end, end times, uh, you know, eschatology, soteriology, uh, study of the Bible, um, theology, the study of who, the, the nature, character of God, the attributes of God, and just write down the the title, and then just put there in a sentence like what you believe about that, and if you're not sure. Uh, like it comes to end times, do you believe this or that? And just put a question mark by it. And at, at the end of that, you know, 50 or 60 different chapters that you would go over. Do you have, by any, how many chapters in that book do you know? 
I can't think off the top Probably of my 50 head. or something like yeah. that, I think. So you have 50 things and maybe you have 20 questions. I go, okay, there's a bit of work to do, which is good. Uh, but, um, you know, otherwise you're stuck in that prophetic warning. Why, why do you waver between two opinions? Uh, oh, the, uh, you know, the cross did this. You know, a lot of Christians have that emotional and real touch of God. They, ha they really are saved. But if you ask them about to defend their faith, they can't. Because right. why are you saved? What, what happened? What did actually Jesus do? What, his blood? Why did that save you and not him just speaking it into existence? Um, these are things that systematic theology will help us do that. And if you want to go deeper in the Word and get closer to Christ, uh, these things in the right heart... When I studied uh, during COVID, I studied, uh, we, we had shut down our offices for a while, and I, I just went through a study of the uh, attributes of God. Mm -hmm. Oh, man, I was just blown away. It was just like powerful one stuff. of the most powerful times of my life of just like, God, you're so much more glorious and grand and other than I ever imagined. And these words gave the simplicity of God, the aseity of God, the omnipotence of God. They, they gave meanings to certain scriptures that I would read when... Jesus healed a blind man, I would go like, of course he did, because he's omnipotent and he's merciful. Yeah. It's, it's the nature and character of God. And so get the book um, and try to de de first determine whether or not you know something clearly about that issue and you have a, you have a sound, uh, you can say yay or nay, I believe this or I don't believe that or I don't know about that, and then start going through the book. And, and, and I would pray that you would have that prayerful mind of saying, um, God, I, I want to come to a conclusion of this the best I can, and it could change, and you can grow. And I've had several things change in, in my life once I learned more doctrine clearly, but at the same time, not to just, I think just too many Christians are satisfied with leaving it nebulous, airy, light. Uh, you'd have to end up calling it watered down because it's not, it's not water full. Yes. And so get the, get the tank full. Of the glory I, of God. It's been my experience too, and this isn't a criticism um, necessarily of, of particular people, but very often people who don't a attend a biblical church that preaches the Bible deeply and robustly and don't have a healthy view, not that you're a theologian, just as a Christian, uh, you know, eternity, salvation, God, these matters hang in the balance here. You would. I mean, I've known mothers who have done so much research about on how to raise their kids right or um, men who have done so much research on how to, you know, mow their lawn or to, you know, I'm just saying like things that are so much yeah. not as important as God. Um, but I've seen many, many of these people because they attend church and they've, they've been through the Bible in a very shallow way. They feel like they know God. And then they're surprised when they can't endure the trials of life, when they're still blown around. And it's so plain to see from the outside yeah. because they don't really have an anchor that goes deep and holds their boat still. It's a piece of styrofoam that's just brushing along the top of the, of the surface. Mm. Uh, and, and for me and my experience, people who are serious about God and serious about theology, these are the people who, when the trials of life come, 
are not blown by every wave and wind of the world or wave and wind of doctrine. These are because here's why, because faith come by hearing and hearing the word of the Lord. It builds your faith. It, it, it strengthens the more you know about God, not just that Christ saved me, but every building block that got the links God went to to save us and what he's doing as he's interceding for us. These things get deep in your heart and it builds a foundation for your life that, that this nothing in this world can take away from you. It is the incorruptible seed. Yeah, <clears throat> well, it's good. Well, our time's come to an end. Another good conversation. Enjoyed being with you, Joshua, and enjoyed being with you. As you're listening, uh, we have a few more weeks left on this 12-week series, and then we're going to start engaging on a couple other new series coming up uh, a little bit later, uh, more on the law and gospel, uh, diving more deeply into that. And another one that's going to be a little bit controversial, but I think it really needs to be said in the hour we live, um, is a reformation of the charismatic movement to see that we believe that, that God has gifted us and the Spirit is alive. We are not cessationists, believing that gifts have ended for today, uh, but we are continuationists. We believe that the gifts of the first century church continue to thrive in us today, but we also believe that the charismatic movement has uh, has jettison boundaries and you know much of the much of the writings of Paul to the churches had to do with correction of the excesses in the church and so we're going to look at some of those things that Paul taught about uh, uh, keeping us in good godly con uh, conduct when it comes to the manifestation of the gifts and help to avoid some of this craziness that's happening in there so that'll be another maybe 10 to 12 week series got a lot of good things coming up as well uh, but uh, great to be with you today God bless you thanks for joining us Ephesians 6.18 says that we should pray at all times in the Spirit with all kinds of prayer and supplication. If you would like someone at World Challenge to pray with you, visit worldchallenge.org forward slash prayer or call us at 1-833-WC-PRAISE. Again, that's 1-833-WC-PRAISE. If you're enjoying the podcast but want to dig deeper, both Gary and Joshua have books that you can buy right now on our online store. Go to worldchallenge.org and click on the store tab at the top of the page. There you'll find books written by David Wilkerson, Gary Wilkerson, Joshua West, and others as well. Check it out today. Thank you for joining us. We'll see you next time. 